podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Rain again, and he's got it! Gavin was closing in. Oh, Gavin has scored! Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not that to three! Hello and welcome to a very special It's All Cobblers to Me. I'm Danny Brothers and I'm here with my good friends Charles Cummins and Chessie Jeffy Coleman. How are you doing, guys? Hello. Well, thanks, Danny. Hello. Very good, very good. Some time to recover <laughs> from everything. Still reveling. Still <laughs> reveling. Still, still reveling. what cloud are we on still at reveling. the minute? <laughs> I don't know where I don't know how high we actually went, Danny. That's the question, isn't it? How, what? I think we went further than yeah, cloud line. To be fair, we probably cloud twenty two. Yeah. We're getting down. I was on my way down, obviously having a lovely time. Oh. But but yeah. then my post box, the cron arrived from Northampton, and then I was like, oh right, that's out the window. I'm happy again. <laughs> Not the cron, the cron didn't go out the window. Didn't it? No, the cron didn't go out the window. No. But the the happiness. I completely forgot that, that, day. that. Yeah, I completely forgot to order one when you showed us that picture. I was like, ah, oh, I forgot. Yeah, so I've got auntie and uncles. You see. Yeah, <laughs> good stuff. Anyway, uh, we're going to talk about this season um, with a very special guest. This season will that just gone will go down in the record books as a Northampton Town promotion. Of course, anyone has been a part of it, though, will remember for the rest of our lives how it wasn't just a promotion. It was a fight against adversity in so many ways. It was a season that stretched the staff, the players and the fans to their very, very limits. And it was one that took us through every single emotion possible to talk us through all of that we're so pleased to welcome to it's all cobblers to me mr john brady how are you doing john very well uh good evening charles danny and jesse uh lovely to uh see you and uh what i need to do first and foremost is congratulate uh charles on supporter of the year and congratulate you guys on a fantastic podcast that you uh you deliver each week uh for our football club it's amazing thank you Thank you. Thanks so much. We'll see if you're saying that in half an hour's time. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but John, I, w- I wanted to start off just um, very simple why, why we've got the chance to. It's very rare that we would get the chance to say this to a manager at the end of such a good season. Um, but to you and the staff and to the players, I think all of us are hopefully can speak for all Cobblers fans by just have taken the chance to say thank you because it's just been a hell of a journey. It's been a, a roller coaster. It's been an emotional journey for all of us involved. Um, so for us, just to be able to say thank you to you in person for, to start off with, it's it's just been incredible. So yeah, genuinely from all of us as Cobblers fans, thank you so much. I'm very grateful for that, but I bet you there were moments throughout the season you probably weren't thanking me. <laughs> uh, if, you, if you didn't have the context, you probably, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I no doubt there were moments that... Uh, you know, it, we we weren't thanked, but uh, I understand that's football. That's football, mate. I think I think there were bits, weren't there, throughout the season where I mean, you're right. We didn't have the context. We're not clued up on anything. We don't get told anything extra to anybody else. Um, even if you ask, you still get the same sort of responses that everybody else would get. Um, but I think that there was always that one thing that went through, like with, and you'll you'll be fully aware of this, John. But like, you know, in football a couple of bad results and, and people start talking about whether a new person should come in and whether they could do any better. And I don't think, and this is only off the top of my head, I've not gone back and checked, but I don't think 
anyone ever said anything like that. We never got anywhere near that, rightly so. But you know how fickle football fans are, and we're no different. You know, we're all the same. We're all human. But yeah, we had a moan at times. There were certain bits where you're just like, oh, for goodness sake. But it was never, you know, and I think Danny, in fairness, you know, just to call him out a little bit on this in a good way is that he was the one that was always <laughs> sort of turning around and just going yeah but how good is it going to be when we get promotion with you as manager the rest of the coaching staff you know the the whole that community spirit and and just mm. feeling so connected to the football club um mm. again so yeah there's 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 hard times. There's times where we uh, we probably swore a few times, especially sort of Christmas and just after. But you know, look at us now, and we're 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 very happy to turn around and just be like, right, no, it's done. It's really good that it's done, and now we can push on next next level. Don't you think it's uh, a lot sweeter uh, at times when you when you go through those hard times and when you come out on top? And I did. Uh, did a thing. I've done a lot of things lately on the radio, podcasts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I did a thing for the EFL the other day, and I just said, on reflection, it's probably the you know not going up last year was some some really good things for us because we strengthened. It made our resolve stronger. It, it just helped us so much, and probably thankful that it gave us a lot of resilience, grit determination that um, that probably we didn't realise was within us that much because we've had to dig so deep at times, I mean hugely deep at times uh, this season. So for that, I'm pretty grateful in a way because it's it's made us find a lot more within ourselves than we ever thought we probably had. I knew we were strong, but my God, we had to be hugely strong this year at, at, in many occasions. Yeah. Looking back, I think I was quite, quite glad of that that season where we didn't go up because I actually think it was the real making of us as as we moved forward I don't think honestly with with the injury crisis that we were found with and all the other things that we we now know I don't think we'd have been able to do that this time last year I don't think we were good enough by the Chesi I don't think we were good enough by the end of last year if I'm being honest, um, now on reflection compared to where we are now, I don't think we were good enough. And potentially, would we have been able to sustain League One last year? Oh, I don't know. I don't. I would like to have hoped that we could, but I think we're better equipped now uh, than we were, and I think that's the most important thing. So I think timing's everything in life. I'm a total believer in that, and I feel that. Um, you know, it's a good time at the moment and for us, really. Do you, do you think, just just going back to uh, last year, the end of last season in terms of, the, you know, that, that last, what, six weeks or so, something like that. One thing that we've talked a little bit about on the pod is about how in that last sort of six to ten games last season, essentially mm. we had one man coming off the bench in Danny Rose. That was the one change that you were making each time. <laughs> and then... Over the summer, that was clearly something that you went and rectified. And it's very rare in a way that, as fans, you can kind of pinpoint something and then you see the manager actually do the thing to solve it. Because you went out, you bolstered the squad, and it wasn't just with 
people to sit on the bench. It was people to, you know, fight for that number. And I mean, look, you know, <laughs> it's a really good job that you did that because we needed every single one of them for what at least a minimum of five games this season, I think, was probably the least amount of games that somebody actually managed to play. So, yeah. I mean, it, the fact that you go out and then you go and do that, it's a cliche to say it, isn't it? But you learn more through those harder times than you do through winning every single weakness, maybe. And therefore, you learnt a lot at the end of last season. You learnt that we needed more more bodies mm. to combat the injuries, you know, mm. and, and to change it and things like that. And then you went and did it. And yeah. it's rare, I think, sometimes that you see that happen for the same manager. You know, often when a managerial change happens... Fresh ideas, they come in looking at it from the outside, but to see somebody that was in the job then go and do it, I don't know. Just just my sort of point of view and perspective on it was just like, that was the first good sign, if you like, for the start of this season, mm-hmm. was we now had a bigger, not necessarily bigger in terms of numbers, but there was more depth in the squad, it felt, this season. Yeah, look, as we all could see that uh, from last year, I continually only felt that I had 12 or 13, I'll be honest with you, that, that could really affect the game. And then when we had some injuries at times, that was really tough. And, uh, you know, I felt this season at times, uh, well, when I had close to a fit squad, I had a fair few options on the bench. And then uh, at times they dwindled due to injuries. And uh, like I said um, on the Cobblers show the other week, I think the the first half of the season set me up for the certainly the second half of the season. Where, to be honest, we had you know it, it started on the opening day of the season where I'd, I'd lost it within the week. I'd lost a few bodies and I'd lost Odomeo, who was also going to start, and then that forced um, Tyler to come in unconditioned. And you know the it started there and then, and unfortunately we we did have five or six on average. We worked it out, uh, myself and Jamie from the media, we worked it out. There was five or six on average up until Christmas. And, but we were still able to call on, you know, three or four on the bench, which was really good, you know, but then the thing that you guys probably don't see, I had to take a real big hit in the Papa John's and Carabao cups because I just couldn't risk anything. And, Mm. You know, I'm not going to make that public at the time, and we we made sure we fitted the cr- criteria, which we did. But um, you know, that was that was hard to take, and especially when I went to Ipswich away, and I looked at their team sheet, and I was like, Ooh, <laughs> "This could be an interesting night." And it was, it, you know, it was, and that they're, they're really things that you you know, you guys, I've got to stand up there and I front that, and um, you know, I had to put a really young side out, I had, uh, Tomlinson and. And Daesh on at the end, and uh, look, I had to take it that they've they've got out of that. They've got great experiences, and who knows? Does that really help Max in his journey towards the end of the season? You know, things like that. So, you know, and then and then, like I said, you know, from Christmas onwards, having over ten out and finding a way was just incredible. But maybe the first half of the season really, really, really did set me up, and I was, uh, you know. It helped me for the latter part of the season, to be honest. We got we actually got a question from one of our patrons, Matt Nichol, who asks. I think he's he is 
asking a serious question, but he was saying at the height of the injury woes, did you ever consider getting Mortz to prepare outfield shirts for Lee Burge and Tom King? <laughs> or even Johnny Max did. No. <laughs> there, there's nothing. I'm guessing there's a rule against that at some point. Yeah, obviously not Mortz. Uh, bless him. He's not fit enough. <laughs> but uh, just for a little bit of fun, I uh, wound Mortz up for a week or two saying that uh, I'd like an outfield shirt for King and uh, that I feel he could do a job up front or centre-back <laughs> because of his height. Uh, and uh, just started winding him up. And then uh, then he started to whisper to Rico, I think the gaff is serious. So that was a good week or two and just a bit of banter around the, uh, around the dressing room, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Uh, can you just tell us a little bit about Adam Morton and his impact around the club? Because he's he's just such a, a iconic figure around the club now that he's so loved by the fans and everything. But what's what's he like? What's what is his impact around the dressing room and everything? Okay, so uh, his impact around the dressing room with the players. Uh, uh, he falls in love with nearly every player and how can every player not fall in love with him uh and then the guys are so respectful of him and uh almost you know uh to the point where like he's like their little brother and they look after him and um you know then then they get extra little treats with their kit and stuff like (laughs) that it's all you know washed and pristine where some um some do take it home, but some, uh, some um, you know, have it washed by Adam. But we wanted to take that sort of off him to allow him to do other things. But a few still still sneak in a few washes and stuff like that. So, uh, but then um, he'll come down to training and he'll tell me he he'll tell me when he's coming down to training through the week. But uh, uh, one of his jobs is to. Um, you know, uh, just make sure the balls are in good flow if we need to feed him in and stuff like that. And then you'll look round and he's he's gone missing and he's off chatting with someone else and fist bumping uh, everyone and and things like that. And then uh, you know your match day prep, you're uh, you're in the office and you he strolls in as if uh, time you've got all the time in the world and he'll fist bump you about four hundred times and give you about five hundred hugs and. You know, it's just Adam, and it's lovely, and and it sort of uh, normalises a lot of things in in that type of environment. So we are very blessed to have him, to be honest. I've got to say, and uh, he is the uh, the heartbeat of uh, our football club. Yeah, I think it, whenever I've walked in to go and spend, you know, when we've been setting up for the fans forums and things like that before. Uh, Adam walks through and yeah, you, he, he can't help himself, can he, in a way? He's such a nice bloke and he just wants, why wouldn't you love him? He's great. I absolutely adore him. And I think earlier in the week, if you saw uh, on Twitter, you know, Nicky Adams was asked who the best kit man was in the in the whole league and there was only one answer for him. It was Mort's. <laughs> uh, I mean, things like that, you know, the relationships that, that get built. And I, I think you're right in terms of that, that normalization kind of thing, maybe just that almost brings all the players, not that they necessarily need this by the way, but just brings them into reality of the football club as a community or part of the community, I should say, and not just on a pedestal where thousands go to the church of six or to worship them once a fortnight. Mm. Um, It's Mm. great. I I love the fact that Morris is there every time and just what he's like. It's fantastic. It's great. In terms of 
John, um, you know, we've got this special bond with the club now. When you first joined it, obviously people like Mortz helps, people who have been inside the club helps. To build up that connection and that emotion behind the club, how long did that take after you first joined the club to get that? How how quickly did you feel that? What are you talking when uh, maybe I joined the youth team or when I joined his first? Yeah, youth, yeah, from the from the youth team, yeah. Okay, so uh, look, I, I, I only looked at uh, afar and I felt that, um, you know, everyone's, like you say, got a connection with Adam, but, you know, I'm, I was... I never came inside uh, the first team groups because I was very respectful of uh, the managers, and you know I speak to other manage like the managers that have been there on on an ad hoc basis. So Justin knew me from from the past. Um, found Jimmy uh, hardly ever spoke to me, uh, to be honest. Uh, Dean wanted me alongside him um, straight away. Uh, and to help him uh and i did when he when he first went up and uh i just didn't want to go and pursue that any further uh, for the next season with him uh just just basically because i was enjoying the youth team and i had a real strong group to develop back then and then uh obviously keith um came in with colin west and colin west i played with for two years uh he was a teammate of mine and uh, knew them and obviously our relationship built and I got on really well with Keith and uh, huge respect for him. And uh, yeah, so um, they all had their, their own ways and what they do of, uh, you know, building team spirits and, and that. But, uh, you know, I, I came in and uh, obviously when, when I first started, uh, it was, I took over a group that were probably... Uh, you know, you guys weren't connected to that group because it was COVID, wasn't it? And you're you're watching through videos, and uh, the whole fans were, and it was it was important. It was hard for the players talking to them about, uh, you know, playing in a game with no atmosphere. Players felt found that quite difficult. A lot of players thrived off that. Rosie, for example, really thrived. You know, he's a pantomime villain, isn't he? And he yeah, he, yeah. he thrived off the crowd being there and you know a lot of his uh, tactics and the way he do, did things didn't really work because uh, obviously um the referee saw saw straight through that at the time but um i saw a, a group really devout of uh confidence and lacking in confidence in themselves and just my opening speech to them was uh i don't want to know what you can't do i want to know what you can do and I really want to work on what you can do. And then uh, I had a steering group straight away uh, that I, I put together, six players, uh, Millsy, Fraser, Sam Hoskins, Sean McWilliams, um, the, the other two, the um, Sheehan uh, and one other. And uh, they were great because... Uh, I wanted to empower the players. They policed the dressing room for me. And they, uh, but what I wanted to ask is, what do you need? What week in, week out? What do you need? What do you want? And um, I gave I gave them what they wanted, and uh, they gave me back everything they had as well. That group, and we we narrowly missed out, didn't we? And I built off that, and then I wanted to build a connection with you guys when you came back with the fans, especially. I wanted to build a culture where we're all together. 
we're all as one. And uh, like I said, this is, uh, you know, I moved up here in 98 and, uh, you know, this is this is my home, basically. And, uh, you know, I've, like I said, I've won, well, I've played with three other clubs within the county and, and I've always felt that, Everyone's working against each other, and I want to work with a lot of people within the county. I've got a lot of friends within the county, and you know, and and a lot of my mates are Cobblers fans. My, my mates, you know, and uh, probably get more stick than anyone, don't I? You know, so. Um, but look, you know, that that was really key in trying to build the culture, and I, I felt if we can build a special culture within um our football club and i want to bring that back i want to bring back the localness the togetherness um and the connection with the fans and i feel we're doing that we're we're creating that special bond we're nowhere near the finished article of doing that but uh we're you know it's a work in progress and i hope you guys can feel it from your side of things yeah mm. I, I think 100%. i don't know about you guys but like one of the things that i find most just just really good and a great example of of that is it's you talk about having the togetherness and bringing the other sporting teams in the county closer together you've got that connection with you know three of the non-league sides um in the county already through playing and, and managing them but then there's there's the saints as well and i i think the bit for me is that there's always been i think between well at least from my sort of vantage point a bit of needle between the two sets of fans even though there is crossover there because it's two different sports but to see their players you know cheering us on coming to games uh, I can't remember which one it was but I think there was one over Christmas where they were there the Mansfield game. it was a yeah. Mansfield game at home in the playoffs yeah I knew, knew they were coming uh Dallas came to the Bradford game and he sat in the away stand with his child, sent me a nice photo of it. You know, so that's really special, huh? Hey, it's it's one of those, isn't it? You look at it and you just sort of go to see them do, and and then it and then it sort of branches out everywhere else because that's the thing. Now, you know, there, there was that stuff on Twitter at the, the Saints game. I can't was it the it wasn't the semi final. It was one of the games beforehand where their fans are taking their shoes off. You know, that, that's a cobbler's thing. I mean, we know that the county cricket have always, you know, they've sung Fields of Green as well as we have, but now you've got the Saints doing it as well. It's now this bigger thing. And while that's 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 ours, that's a cobbler's thing, that's just the originator of it. But now it's branched out and now there is that togetherness. There's always been that connection to the cricket club for obvious reasons, but now it's with yeah. these other teams as well, not just in the town, but in the county. It's... It's great, it, it, you know, especially from, from my point of view where I live, you know, far away. Here in Warrington, there's there's two non-league sides. There's Warrington Town that just got promoted to the National League North. And then there's Rylands, who two years ago won the FA Trophy or the Vars, one of the two. They were in the same league for the first time ever last season. Rylands are a bit like the, the upstarts. They've got a bit of money mm. or they had money that got them up to where they were. Warrington Town didn't like it. There was all this needle between them. And while it's, in one way, it's quite fun seeing that, in the other hand, you sort of go, well, hang on a minute. If you work together, you know, fine, the fans mm. can be a little bit of a rivalry. But as a club, if you work together, 
then you can achieve more. And I think that's what we're kind of seeing, actually. And the, the whole, yeah. you know, I know that they lost, but imagine if Saints had beaten Saracens at the weekend and they, they'd gone into the, the final and, and the town would be absolutely buzzing. And yeah. that's great. And that's what you kind of want. And success breeds success, I guess. Well, uh, you're right. And uh, obviously through Paul Shields, we're good friends. And I I went there the season before we started League Two. And I wanted to see how they build their culture and what they do. And obviously, you know, introduced me to Boydie. And being a Kiwi, he was so welcoming to a, to an Aussie. And <laughs> I found that a little strange. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> that was good. And, uh, you know, and, and there's, you know, then... Um, Paul Shields, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this. He's like a fanboy of Mark Hughes's. He's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. um, and he, he was he was asking to come to the game last year where we won 2-0 at home. So he came in and watched our pre-match prep and we're sharing good practices, uh, etc. But he said, well, I, I'd like to stay when he comes in after and ask him a few questions. And he did. And it was brilliant, you know. But those type of things, we share a lot of good practices at how we deliver our analysis etc and those types of things but let me ask you a question actually he posed we went out for dinner the other week he posed me a question he said um i've got i've got an idea next time you're in the playoffs wouldn't it be a great idea to play at our place right <laughs> listen listen there's two minutes and uh i went because i look i went wow what, 15,000, 16,000 packed in. They're brilliant. Wow. How good would that be? So then I went back to the club and I said, imagine that. Uh, and a lot of people, oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> that wouldn't work. But tell me, what would you guys think of that? I don't know. Be honest. Oh, be honest. Yeah. I think part of me would be like, it's six feels is the home kind of thing. And that's where you want the memorable moments to happen. Right. Like I think like they'd be amazing to have like fifteen, sixteen thousand fans. I completely agree on that. Um I think to me in the back of my head, I think when I look back on it and if we've beaten some let's say we've beaten Peterborough to get to the playoff final at home, would I associate that with Franklin's Gardens? Would that sort of memory be in my head? Would whereas what or want it to be Sixfield, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, that that's kind of where I'd be right with it, I think. It's it's an odd one, isn't it? Though because like I get yeah. it, like fifteen, sixteen thousand. Because I'm sure for one of those big matches, then then we we'd sell, sell oh, yeah, out. You know, yeah. we would do. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. To be fair, I've not been to Franklin's Garden since the pavilion was still there. So you know, with the box all behind the you know one end. So I mean, I've not been in since it's all been redeveloped and you know looks amazing. The closest I've come is seeing it on the telly. So I, I mean it. It's a great stadium. The one it thing generates that... a good atmosphere, doesn't it? Well, well, when you're as in much there, as a rugby crowd can, Chesley. Come yeah, on, let's no, not go too bad. <laughs> in terms of um, the fact that you've got more, what I'm saying is, like, you more cobblers fans you've got, the better opportunity for the better atmosphere. Mm. I do think yeah. I kind of feel the way Danny feels in terms of the fact that I don't know how I'd feel about whether that feels almost like routine. It's a bit like a religion, isn't it? Football, and we're creatures of habit. Um, so I don't know whether I'd want to let go of it, but I kind of think you're selling me the idea with 16,000 Cobblers fans, to be honest, John. <laughs> when I went back to the ground and I spoke to the staff, 
And it uh, it was no, we always do it like this, and that's how the fans would see it. And this is, and it was very interesting, very interesting. Mm. It was a big debate. I be bet. Honest. To be fair, mm. it's not going to be something that you'd get a consensus on. I don't think. You know, I don't think there'd be consensus amongst the four of us, let alone you know, <laughs> ten thousand Cobblers fans. I really don't. <laughs> It'd be a tough one, but a good one. I, you know, I do think it's a good yeah, debate to have. There's been, there's been talk yeah. about a ground share. The fact before, we're even talking it? about it is insane, isn't it? How far have we come? Well, if that's the conversation yeah, we're true. having. True. The, the question, though, that you'd maybe give back is that would they want to play a game at Sixfields? I know, you know, it's different because they're going down in capacity. Obviously, that's the... Mm. So, business-wise, mm. they just say, well, no, we can't sell as many tickets, so therefore you can't. But in terms of, you know, just the the, the thought process of it and the the, mm. yeah, the the fairy tale nature of it, would they want to play at Sixfields? And I don't think their answer would be yes. I don't, yeah. you know... It, yeah. Let's get down the county ground again. Should we all just play at the county ground? <laughs> all at the same time, yeah, that's about. <laughs> The same time, yeah. Well, some of our past squads have felt a bit rugby-like, to be fair. <laughs> or cricket-like. <laughs> or cricket-like, yeah. yeah. John, I wanted to, to quickly go back to to your work with non-league, the youth under-18s. Matthew Crane had a question um, asking you about that side of things, asking if you think your years of coaching at that level and with the youth helped you to develop the coaching skills, set you up better to coach the first team, as opposed to maybe some players who go straight into from like player coach into, into management straight away. Okay, yeah. Um, so my... My journey goes back further than that. Uh, 28, I, uh, I start my own business and we deliver, what do we do? We delivered sport and four facets of the business, delivered sport in schools uh, from five-year-olds up to, to 12-year-olds mostly uh, and, and uh, delivered PE in schools and then, um, then did soccer schools, Saturday morning clubs and uh, advanced centres for for players that were probably a little bit better than grassroots, but in between ca- academy and grassroots. And uh, I think my best grounding's been uh, uh, delivering PE in schools, to be honest, you know, to a class of 30 that um, really uh, you've got you've got probably half the group that are really interested in PE. You've got five or six that just don't want to do it. And your behavior management skills, first and foremost, really come to the fore. Uh, then you think about you, you think about kicking a football, just for example, and approaching that ball. Um, like when I was a player, I could never break that down. But obviously, it's it's a run towards it. The final bit's a little hop, and you've got to get your arms up to balance on one leg and and open your toe and and swing your foot, foot through for a side foot pass and things like that just to break it down was uh was really important for me to to really deliver to you wouldn't believe five six year olds uh and then then thereafter the behavior management so then obviously i you know i did my UEFA B in 2003 with Samo 
and Ray Warburton. We did the UA for B fast track for senior professional players with the FA. And then I did my A license, funny enough, with Samo in Northern Ireland in 2008. And now I'm, I, I will graduate on the 5th to the 9th of June on my pro license. So that's, that's it. I've finished the journey. I'm, my coaching badge is done. And actually, Wayne Rooney's uh, in my group and a few other big hitters, to be fair. So it's it's been really good and very insightful. But going back to it, um, you know, I think that's my best grounding. And then going, uh, I felt uh, every job I've actually been asked to do accidentally, um, uh, really. Uh, so I, I'd i finished playing at uh, Kettering because my business become uh, uh, too big at the time. And I asked Mark Cooper, I said, look, mate, would you would you be happier if I retired here and I'm done? He went, look, you've got to do what you want to do. Shame, I, I want you to play. But in the end, um, so I continued my business and I really love coaching at all levels. I, I just, I am a coach first and foremost. And then, uh, then uh, eight, Eight weeks later, I'm asked to go and play three games for Brackley just to help them. They've got a big injury crisis. And I did not, I'm not being rude, I didn't know who Brackley were. I didn't know who they were, where they were in the county. And uh, I go over and uh, the juices start flowing. I hadn't trained or done anything for eight weeks, go and play three games. By the end of those three games, the manager goes, hey, look, you're, you're like a manager on the pitch. I played centre midfield. I used to play in right wing. Uh, he went, you're telling the boys to go everywhere. Um, look, I need to concentrate on my business. Would you like to do it? And then the the Oliver Francis or Ollie, a good friend of mine, the chairman, uh, interviewed me. And then lo and behold, I'm running a business now. I'm managing a football club. And I'm like, wow, what am I doing? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I've I'm into it, and six and a half years later, wow, we 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 got promotion. We nearly went into the conference with ten minutes away from nearly beating Halifax, and all these things, magical FA Cup runs, and then then my final year, they they hugely cut the budget. They run into a few issues, and uh, I did it for them, uh, and nearly get uh, relegated in the final day of the season. Push right to the edge, we stay up. Started the next year and just felt, do you know what? The game needs to knit for me even more. So I went away and did a lot more courses for six more months. I spent so much time at St. George's Park and so much money, my own, on my own development. Wanted the game to knit for me. In that meantime, um, I started to do the non-league England team with Paul Fairclough. He, he phoned me straight away. What, what, what are you doing out of football? Phoned me up, started to do a bit with him and then... Uh, then at the end of that summer, Trevor Gould tracked me down, a uh, good mate of mine, because while I was, well, one thing that you guys probably don't know, uh, when I played at Cambridge United, I did the under-14s at Northampton. So you're talking probably 2007, maybe, something like that, you know, uh, years and years ago. So I do I do them years ago, so my affinity's right back then. And then um Trev asked me to do the sixteens. Now that's that's uh you're talking Morgan Roberts, Jay Williams, Cameron McWilliams, uh Bradley Lashley, that group. And they they hadn't won for ages, they were misfiring, it's not about winning, but uh he said they're a bit of a spiky group where they're 
don't want to listen. They don't want to do this. They don't want to do that. But they've got potential and they've got ability. And I went, really, I've done senior men. I'm not so sure, Trev, this 16-year-old. Will I get that connection? Will I get that rapport? He went, come on. And Trev can talk me around. You know, I love him to bits. He can talk me around. And uh, he sweet-talked me. And uh, I come and did two weeks. And then, you know what? Uh, I love developing people. And, you know, those kids started to grow on me. And next minute, we... uh, we took that group and it, it isn't about winning, but we, we, we won 28 in a row, I think, uh, with them. And we just went like that. Justin Edinburgh saw me around Christmas time. He went, what are you, what are you doing in, uh, what are you doing in cobbler's kit? And I went, mate, I coach the 16s. He went, oh, wow. He said, no, you won't be. He said, uh, cause we've known each other from old and he's a great guy. And he went, I want you doing the youth team. And I went, mate, I can't run my business. I can do this part-time. Gives me my fix. I'm happy with it. And he went, I will call you in the first week of May. And I went, yeah, all right, whatever. <laughs> like that. And this is around Christmas time. Lo and behold, that's typical Justin, true to his word, phones me first week of May. Right, you ready? Like that. And I went, mate. <laughs> like that. I spoke to Trev. And then the club sorted it out yeah and then i started with the youth team and then four and a half years we had some and then i took that group up with me and that group went bang and we went bang and it was uh you know again it's about developing those players not winning leagues but we won leagues and we took arsenal on the fa cup and there were some really really great moments and uh had a special group that that were good, really good. And uh, obviously, and that's how I built the rapport with Keith because, you know, Keith took seven of them on at the time, didn't he? You know, yeah. especially played Jay. Mm. He played Jay at centre-back and then played him in midfield and gave him opportunity, played Scotty Pollock. And, you know, Scott was in my group. And Scott came out of nowhere in the second year of that group, you know, and, and they were all you know, starting to play in the first team and Morgan was on the fringes and, you know, it was good. It was really good. And, and you know, that was, that was a, you know, that's, that's a real long journey. And, I, I, you know, I think a lot of young coaches, the biggest advice I can get is don't rush it. Don't rush it. You see that journey for me has been so long. Right? And I, like I, I've told everyone, this is, and then I was asked to do, I was asked to do the first team because obviously results weren't right. And um, and and that thing, guys, I was, look, I'll do a couple of games, but give me that job back uh, after a couple of games. I'll do it. You find someone, I'll do it. And then uh, I think it was Ipswich away. We sort of yep. played quite well, guys. And yeah. uh, then it was like, just, could you do a couple more games? We're <laughs> looking at things. And, and then, you know, lo and behold, I, I keep going and keep stumbling through i suppose and then um at, at the end of the season they uh they say look you know we see a lot of change within the style of play within um a lot of the stats and everything and and we believe in you and we we feel that you you're the man for the job i was i was surprised i was humbled by it but um never expected to 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 take the role guys never mm. never yeah uh, there was a moment in that um, the last few months of League One season, the, the turnaround for start on the pitch was so noticeable straight away. We were, wa- we were all watching on iFile, like I said earlier. Um, 
but players like Ryan Watson suddenly come to life. You, they're getting freedom. We're attacking. We're there's so much passion in the in the crowd in the in, not the, in the players. Sorry, um, there was a moment after one of the games which I think we'd lost. And I think Tim had asked you a question about sort of results and things like that, and you kind of gave a massive sign that oh, Tim, I'm trying, I'm trying. That was the one moment when I thought this guy's for real and I want him at the top of my football club because it was just a, such a real interview and such a something that you just don't get from managers at, at any level um, in the football league. And I just thought there's a, such a realism about you and such a genuineness about you that I was like, you know, stay up, go down, whatever. I just want this guy in charge of our football club because he gets it and he gets the the fans and he gets the disappointment from the losses and everything like that. Um, d- did that start to translate into your your sort of team talks and things like that. We've got a question from Rich who who's, was asking about significant team talks and whether that kind of connection with the fans helps that kind of thing. And did any stand out this season as significant when you're in the dressing room um, in terms of what you said and how it connected to the players? I wouldn't say I'd, I'd do Churchillian type speeches, <laughs> etc. Um, to give you a bit more of an insight, you know, like, like I've said in the past, and it's probably being more widely reported now that we're saying a few things about how we do things and we we have a flat hierarchy in in what we do and so you know Cole's taken over uh so I'll deliver Thursday Friday on the grass and etc how we're going to play tactically in possession out of possession through the thirds and then and then but then you know me and Cole will work on the clips and what we need on the analysis. And then um, Cole will deliver that because then there needs to be a, a different voice as well. And um, at the end of his analysis, he gives these uh, Scottish Braveheart speeches. I'm waiting for him to <laughs> pull his kilt up and give it that to the boys or something. Like, I know. He's, uh, and, uh, he's good at that. And, I then mainly um, will give a few reminders uh, uh, tactically. So it's more constructive, mine, uh, you know, just a few key reminders. Uh, once or twice, uh, I'll, you know, break into a speech or, or something. But, you know, I think about all the managers I had and I can't remember one speech, but I can remember how that person made me feel. And it's important to me how I make them feel or how we as a group make them feel. And, uh, you know, the the biggest thing was uh, to take the pressure right off towards the end. Um, and I didn't want them to feel pressure because a lot of was stepping up to the plate for us. And I went, however it goes, boys, I know you'll give us everything. And I was taking the pressure right off them you know but it, it was it was key to us there was just it was a game it was a carlisle away where i just went to john look i can't believe how many fans are here today i went mate go over there but i want you to stand there for about 10 seconds and applaud them and then just feel the energy coming off them and and soak that energy and i told the players before the game just you know soak that energy in soak it in feel what they're giving you and uh i felt that was hugely important and i I could you guys were just incredible up in that corner and they put you away there to 
to keep you quiet, but you know, <laughs> I think we drowned out the, the other 10,000 in the stadium. So that was hugely important. Then we continued to do it. It was a huge reminder to do it. And then, you know, I think the turning point really was something away. It was just, uh, it was unbelievable. And that's where I felt, I said to him afterwards, uh, it was probably my speech after there, I just said, there's a magic in this changing room right now. And it was, it was, it was just, you, you could you could feel, you could sense, just stars felt aligned. It was just strange, guys. It was, yeah. and, and I've, I've won things before and I just, I didn't get that feeling last year, but I got the feeling this year. I never took anything for granted, got to say. But, you know, when you're in that moment, you think, well, this, this is special here without taking anything for granted, you know. I, I've got to say, I, mean, I was in that crowd at Carlisle that day and um, I was sat next to Tom Cliff and I asked him, was that prearranged? I said, you know, because actually, you know, as much as the players will have got energy from us in the stands, that, you know, act of them coming all the way over, because it's, you know, the tunnel was on the complete the other side of the pitch. I know normally, you know, the, the lads will come out, they'll do their their lineup thing now in front of the main stand with the referee and everything. And then they'll go and as they're going to go and get into their positions, they'll they'll give the clap, won't they, over to the away fans and everything. But them coming all the way over gave, I felt, us energy as fans. And to, it created that that spark, you know, like you know, the, the positive and negative happened. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those where you look at it and you go maybe into, in, into next year. I, I think so living where I do um, in Warrington, it's a big rugby league town. Um, whenever I go and you watch it on the TV, um, Warrington after every match do a lap of honor. Now I know it is not a lap of honor. It's just a lap around to thank the fans they go over to the main terrace, which is the length of the pitch opposite where the dugouts are, the technical areas, whatever they are in rugby league. And they make a point of thanking all the fans. And the fans stay behind. You know, this isn't just like fans walk out at the final whistle. There is a big thing where the players are out on that pitch and they go over and they do that. And that's part of the connection. You feel the connection with the players and the town. And that, it was kind of like that. That's how I, I looked at it and went, but it was before the match. It gave that energy. And then, of course, you get it at the end. You know, we, we've enjoyed for the last two years, whether it's been Liam Roberts or, or Burge or King have come over, or, or Johnny, uh, have, have come over and given, you know, the, the fist pumps at the end and things like that. I know Burge wasn't uh, too, uh, let's say he was a little bit shy at first, but he's grown into doing it. Oh, we had yeah. We had to push him out. But a nice one. The other, the other week was when Honda uh, Will scored, and then Bergie passed it over to Will to do it. Yeah, and, uh, it was good. It was a nice moment. It is good. It is good, and you get that connection. It and it's... but you got to win games. To yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, there is still that. I really appreciated it and really loved it. You know, coming out of the before the game and going over to the away fans, and it. it I felt us doing that put them on the back foot just for a minute yeah. or two as well mm. with their fans. And I, I just thought we won that moment because you guys went loud and it just lifted us. And that first five minutes where, you know, they 
they could have come at us, but it put them on the back foot a little bit. So it was good. I think the um, the minute we walked into the stadium at Tranmere as well, I think we all knew. Obviously, we were all terrified and really, really nervous. But I think deep down the gut instinct, as soon as we walked in that stadium, we were like, we're coming away with this. Because it was just relentless from minute one. So yeah. it, you just couldn't escape it. Because the uh, when when the ref blew his whistle and they kicked off, that was just the roar was mm. incredible, absolutely incredible. And then I I talked to a lot of people because a lot of my mates come up. My uh, my brother in law, my nephew and niece were in the stand as well, uh, and they don't usually come to a game. They they got on the train and got up there and did it all. And and my mates were were in there and uh they said the atmosphere was just really happy before the mm. game it was really really good so uh that was interesting it was really great to hear people's stories and, and stuff that was that was the nice thing as well yeah, yeah really good. it was a happy yeah. day i mean the one thing if we if we talk about Tranmere really really quickly like Obviously, the game happens and, and the result and everything like that. And we, you know, you've already talked to death about those moments within the game. But at the end of the game, where where for whatever reason it was that we couldn't have that celebration with the team coming mm. back out, from your point of view, is that a little bit of a? Do, do you feel a little bit a little bit sad that we couldn't have that that moment? I know we got it back at Sixfields with a you know, a smaller group of fans when you arrive back. But, like, I mean, one of the stewards turned around to me and said, I'll oh, go back to Northampton and, and have the celebration. And when I turned around and went, I live up here, mate. I'm not going all the way back down there. He, you know, he was just a bit like, all right. But, you know, it, you know, it was a bit gutting yeah. for me. So we lined we lined up in the tunnel. The players all lined up in the tunnel. And then we as staff were behind the players. So it was, it was banking right up. And I... I didn't know what was going on because I'm way at the back and I'm just we're, I'm just in a good moment chatting to the players at the back. I think it was Foxy and a few of the boys and just chatting and and just enjoying the moment. And then it was literally the players got, started walking past me and then put my manager's hat on and I went, what's going on here? What, what, <laughs> why, why are we not going out? So the boys go back in the change room and uh could have been the stadium manager uh she she wasn't too impressed but the police were saying look in the end i think it's a good thing they go out but she was just having none of it and then stood there and chatting to uh i, I think uh sky would just you know want to have a bit more with me and i, I just went look no i'm not i'm not having this and uh so i said to the lady i'll tell you what you're not going to rain on my parade I'm going out there. I'm going to go and enjoy that because they deserve it. So I went, see ya, bye. <laughs> like that. And jump the ropes. And then I go out there and then I'm screaming because I want, I didn't want to take everything. I wanted all my staff with me. I'm going, come on, boys, come on. Like that. And I think I watched a video back someone sent me that I'm screaming, Cole, Cole, come over. And then <laughs> we start a song. We start going, um, Championis, Championis, <laughs> you lot singing over us and we're going what are we doing here and then next minute we took the shoes off and i think that was a great moment that was yeah. yeah would, would, what a photo would that you was. say on reflection that that was your favorite game because i know a couple of people have asked ash cobb was one that's asked he said what was your favorite game or and moment was that it that whole end to that day it, his favorite game is bradford away because tactically we were brilliant 
and the boys were just unbelievable. We had a mid block. We jumped them at the right time. Um, we're bra brave. Our, our wingers jumped their centre backs, and that was real. It's just no one does that in the way we did it. And I don't want to give too much away, but and then the way we broke and scored, it was just everything we did that day. It was just like wow. And it could have been it could have been five or six. So from a coaching point of view, that it gave me goosebumps that day because it was like, wow, this group's so receptive. And uh, that was that was really good. Loved that day. Loved that day. In front of 17,000 there to do that against mm. them. Brilliant. Loved it. Yeah, that was probably my favourite day. We, we've got some here. Some of them are tongue-in-cheek, mate. So uh, just to... <laughs> Just to warn you on this, uh -oh. but if we go with uh, Robert Sammons, uh, one of our great patrons who wants to know, if you could send a three-word text to one Keith Hill, what three words would you send? <laughs> You're the motivation. Nice. nice. I like very that good. one. That's very good. Um, Tom Chiswell, I like this one. This is, this is a dead easy one. Uh, you were apparently Tom's wife's first love when you played for uh, Rushton and Diamonds. Can you give Kelly a shout-out, please? Hi, Kelly. Thank you for me being your first love. I don't know why. I hope you're wearing glasses now, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and kind of on that same theme, Neil Jarrett. And, uh, uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I completely sympathise with this question. I have asked Martin Smith live on Radio Northampton this exact same question. Uh, Neil says, can you ask John if he'd marry me? I'll have to divorce my wife first, but if he's willing to wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's, yeah. I don't know what no, to say about that. I didn't think you would, to be fair, mate. It's one of those, isn't it? We, we ask the questions, and these are the type of things that we get. No, it's good. Um, back to the football, though. Matthew Crane wants to know whether you feel that this group of players is better suited to League One football because of their skill slash technique and playing style than League Two. Uh, league League One's um, it is a step above, um, you know. It's uh, I think when we get a full group together, um, we'll get that feeling. Um, it's hard to say, really. I, I I feel that they're young enough to keep improving and continually improve, um, and you've seen a lot of growth. Say say you know Louis Apire, you see the growth in him from six months. We had him last year to where he is now. And I think, you know, you you, you probably put him in the mould of Mark when Mark was, Mark Richards was 23. He wasn't, Mark wasn't prolific then. And uh, you see Louis is, and we do a lot of work on it, starting to use his body better. And, you know, you think about the output that boy's done uh when we had the injury crisis and you, i kept thinking well i can't lose him right now we you know he was in such good form and he put so much effort in didn't he so look i think the the players are improving like sam sharing growth in him you, you look i could go through harvey lintop incredible growth in him from start to finish look it'll be you know, next year will be be extremely tough, um, extremely tough. But uh, if we can if we can recruit well on top of that, 
then um, I think we've got a good chance to to be really competitive next year. On recruitment, John, I know Gareth's asked us a question about how are you guys going to manage that? Because obviously we've had this amazing and almost quite unique bond between the players and how well they've they've looked out for each other and they've created this brilliant squad. How are you going to manage that? Because obviously there's not a divide as such, but there's going to be new players coming in who are not within that group. How do we manage that? I think it, from my point of view as a, as a, a fan, I think it would probably be self-sufficient really due to the, the type of player you got. But if it's not, how do you tackle it? Uh, so you're, you're talking from the point of view that if you don't feel it's potentially gelling early, uh, how, how would you do it or what would you do? A um, lot of things to do that. Uh, we, we, uh, we generally get the new ones to, to deliver a speech to the players for five minutes. And we did, uh, we did a thing, um, hero, heartbreak and highlight, three H's. Okay. So the players had to come with uh, the picks. And this was, uh, this is probably maybe a, a third or a little bit, or maybe just before Christmas. And then the staff were asked to deliver it to the players as well. And you had to stand out there and deliver about hero in your life, highlight in your life, and heartache, some, some incredible stories. And then you got to find out about the players and, and the person, the human being, a lot more. And it was really important that we did that. And then we have, a, we have our own app that has scheduling. So we have a special app. So their day's broken down in what they do but also the videos of their delivery were on there so you could go back and watch it as well. So it's really important. Uh, and a lot of that type of stuff, we feel, you know, it's it's more like, it may sound corny to you, but we I have um, I brought in Steve Salas as well. He's a mindset coach uh, and he calls it brotherhood that we do. So, uh, and uh, all about the brotherhood. So it may sound a bit corny on the outside, but that, I, I I asked and I delivered one myself. I delivered it two days earlier. Uh, I think the boys, <laughs> what's he doing here? <laughs> and I, I was I was quite vulnerable because I told uh, some truths about my career and some really yeah, a bit d- deep and dark stuff that you know I had a coach that I was nineteen at Swansea that punched me as hard as he could when I at halftime, you know, and and they're things that made me think I would never ever want anyone to feel like that and it sort of drove me to be the coach I am you know so some real real dark stuff that um, I wanted them to see my vulnerable side because I felt that was powerful as well and then they delivered it and then it was hugely powerful and then you know guys are getting just way more respect than they probably uh, had before it was incredible incredibly powerful I don't think it's corny at all. You you come I in think and it's get great. Yeah, I mean that's how. Uh, this is going to sound. If, if there are any footballers actually listening, um, then this will probably sound really patronising or really you know mean. But I always get the feeling, or whenever I've spoken to some of the lads, and I said this to AJ last week when we chatted, I said that it often feels like as a footballer, it must be great in a way because you almost you're a bit like Peter Pan you don't really grow up. You're still around the boys 
from that you are when you're teenagers you're in that sort of environment there's lots of banter there's you know some of the stories that we were told by the likes of Nicky Adams and Ricky uh, Richard Cresswell and <laughs> Ricky Holmes and all of it that happened in that 26 15 16 season you think to yourself Christ if I did that you know <laughs> even at, at the age of like late 20s I think I I think people would still look at me a bit bit weird that's a that's a that's very you know you need to grow up kind of thing but football is very you know, insular. Everybody's kept in that little bubble almost in a way. So like actually having that brotherhood as it, as it's called and, and, you know, having the mindset and bringing people in, I guess the coaching that you did with your business going in and teaching kids at five and six, I mean, that really, do, you, you talked before about, you know, the, the, you know, behavior management. I mean, You've got to do that with some of these boys. I know they're 20 years older than than those five, six-year-olds that you were coaching before, but you've probably got to take a lot of the same techniques that you were to handle these guys, while at the same time, obviously, treating them like the grown-ups that they are and bringing look, them all together. Yeah, exactly. But a lot of them come with armour. All right? They've got a load of armour with them, and they don't want to... They don't want you to see that vulnerable side because in the, in our business it's called weakness, but we think that's a strength. I I feel that's a huge strength. So we we try and bring down the armor, and then between us and and I think I think you've seen a group that uh, that will will be really. Um, open and welcoming to not not to say other groups haven't been but um, from my experience I've been a player and and sometimes you you can get carried away with yourself and think you're better than what you are and we normalize it these are normal human beings that go through the same emotions that you guys through that they're, they're not that special they've got a, a talent but we we normalize it and um, we take down the armour, and that's why I hope uh, and I'm proud of the group and what they do in the community and 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 how they really try and speak to you guys and connect and, and be genuine and authenticity from us, and I talk to them about authenticity, it's huge, huge. So I've, I have to, if I'm the leader, I have to be my authentic self and no BS, none at all. I am what I am, and I'll tell you straight. Um, and I th- uh, you've, you've proved that, haven't you, time and again this season. You know, there have been times when you've said things in, you know, the, the media where, where you basically told the naysayers to stay away. You didn't want the negativity, which I agreed with. One of my favourite moments. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> One of my favourite moments. <laughs> there was also... The the moment I can't remember what game it was, but you told the crowds not to go quiet. Leighton Orient, Leighton Orient, yeah, of course it was. Delia Smith. I mean, I, I, you're cringing. Me me saying that you're cringing. <laughs> I know. I, you know. I love we it, heard it. You, you talk about it on the Cobbler Show on Radio Northampton, where you know people were taking the mick out of you, calling you Delia, etc. But my family, <laughs> and us on the pod. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, yeah, and us. Uh, but I. I that shows your authenticity that shows your you know i know that there were some people that kind of were a bit like oh who's this person to tell us not what to say or be like but oh, that's you thought it i thought it 
but I thought I thought it, <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> thought out loud. <laughs> yes, it was one of I them. love it. <laughs> Amazing. And then I went, I'm, I'm there going, I've actually just said that. <laughs> it I worked. Love it. it had the desired effect. Yeah. I mean, look, that was a great day. I think it just shows the human side of it and, and the fact that, you yeah, know, yeah. and it, you know, unintentional as it was, it was another thing that just sort of pulled us tighter, you know, that little bit closer. And you, you looked at it and you just went, this means as much to you as it does to, to us. And and I think that's the, you know, the thing. And I'm not saying that, you know, other managers or other players don't feel the connect the power and the passion about winning games and things like of course they do but there's something a little bit different and it samo is probably the only other manager really that has done that because of the fact that you're you see that connection you know samo just like you he's not from the town but he's made the town his home and mm. You know, he then goes and manages us for those few years. We have one exceptionally magical night at Anfield. Mm. And, you know, that will never, ever be forgotten by any of us. Um, and mm. I think that's the same as this season because it, it it has been a bit of a roller coaster ride. There have been moments where we've been going and, and questioning, maybe, maybe we aren't good enough and you, you, you sometimes there are bits that are coming out of the football club because obviously the club are going to be positive you know they're a business as much as anything else so therefore they're not going to turn around and go yeah we're not very good don't bother coming this week <laughs> or anything like that but there were you know it's right in what they're saying that they're they're using facts but sometimes you're just like that going oh but come on the 83 points, it was 83 points last season and then we matched it. 80, 80 we eight, got to eight, yeah, 80 on the final day, didn't we? Yeah. But, you know, the calendar year, the number of points that was released and things like that, it's all true. It's all factual, mm. but at times you're just going off, right, okay, yeah, okay. But it's that roller coaster ride. You have those little bits of dips, but it's those dips that actually make what happens at the end of it all the better and all the more special. And you're right, looking back at games like Bradford, where we we blew them away. The, the Stevenage away game was a fantastic game. I mean, okay, they scored twice, but I mean, that was part of it. And, you know, Hilt's getting sent off for breathing on someone. And <laughs> all of these different moments that actually you sort of think, well, we're not going to forget that. And they're not all, you know, the really big positive things. You know, of course you've got... Sowers' goal, Hondamark's goal, Sammy's 22 goals, you know, and, and all those. But you've then also got AJ's ridiculous red card to remember. There's, you know, in the same game, I think it was, where where Sean and, um, was it Odomeo went off? The two of them not long after each other. You know, that, that mm. sticks in the mind. But when you think about the adversity, as it's been called by yourself and others over the last week or so, to get through all of that, to then be successful at the end of it, it makes that all worthwhile with a cherry on top almost because it is a fantastic achievement and it is one of the best seasons that we've had. You know, yes, points-wise, it's not the best season, but I think in terms of feeling, it, it's definitely up there 
as top three, it's got to be. Oh, it's it's one. It's it's very very close to the top for me, Charles. And me. I think we've said it from the start. It doesn't like it. Almost doesn't matter. It's the points because like even if we finish fourth this season, I'd be like that's a special season because of what we've gone through. Um, we remember it. We remember a lot of a couple of the Barrow. You know that's that day. The hot. Yeah, but yeah. Oh, we got through. We got through an hour. John, <laughs> yeah, we got an hour. <laughs> Always constantly reminded yeah. about that. But we can. Yeah. Finally, put that to bed. Yeah, yeah. we can put yeah. that to bed. But what it's done, it's made us stronger. It's brought us together. So we've, we've got it. We're hugely grateful for that. And I think we're all like I talk about being scarred by. It. I think we're all scarred by that, you know. And uh, we, we never take a result for granted anymore, no, do we? Absolutely, no, not. never. It's that, that that moment with you on the pitch at the end where there was the 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 premature pitch invasion at Tranmere, and and you know you <laughs> You're like, yourself, no. Go away. AJ said, there's 45 seconds left. All of you yeah. get off. <laughs> it can all go wrong in 45 <laughs> seconds. Do you know why I did it? Because uh, I looked at a certain team that uh, did that last season and I wanted us to finish this right and be professional. Yeah. And I didn't want uh, anyone to say anything bad about us. And that was, there's something took over again because... I, I felt I could do that to ours and they'd understand. And it was just like, come on, guys, get back. Come on, let's get this done. Do it right. Let's not ruin it, you know. And that, that it was just something took over me again, you know. I've got something. You're like a head teacher that everyone listens to. It's like no matter what the situation is, the head teacher's coming, right, we've got to listen. And that's what it felt like. It's like, no, you're leaving. Run around, run around the corner. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, I think... Um, yeah, we'll we'll wrap up in a minute, John. But again, um, we did an event last year. I don't know if you're around at the time at Sixfields with the the class of '97, with the playoff winners from '97. Every time a new one of those players came into the room, it was just absolutely all over the place, banter and everything like that. Obviously, that's a different time. There was stuff that went on that night and tales that were told of a very different era. But in 25 years' time, when we're if we're still going, I mean, God help the listeners if we're still going. <laughs> but if, if something like this is still going, and we're looking back twenty five years ago, it's it feels to me like this is exactly the same thing as that. And like the players that come in, that brotherhood you talked about, not corny at all, by the way. It will happen again, and it's it's that kind of the bond that happened this season is something really special. It happens once in a blue moon for football clubs. So again, thank you so much for doing that, for creating that with all your staff. Um, Valerie wanted to end this by just checking that you're okay and checking that what you do every week, every day during the summer, what are you going to do in the summer just to switch off? Because I think we speak on all behalf of all Cobblers fans when we say you deserve a little bit of rest. What are you going to do to switch off and, and to chill out a little bit if you can? Rest was. Uh, I did a 10k run this morning. <laughs> oh, I love my running. Oh, you know, you know what I did before the the Tranmere game. You know how bad that rain was. I ran through this forest, and I sound like Forrest Gump. I, I ran. <laughs> I, I did about. I usually do 5k in the morning before a game because, guys, if if I don't do my run, then you see the energy I've got in the touchline. I've got triple that energy, so I have to go out hard. No, I had a run and a run back, and 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 that took the edge off for me before the tramway came. But I had a ten k run this morning, and then took the dog for about four k, four mile walk, and it just the sunshine for the first time properly today. I talk here; it's hard work for me with the sun because I, I just need some sun to come alive. And you know, look, as soon as the sun's out, tell Valerie as soon as the sun's out. 
and and I can I feel I'm breathing and I'm out in within the trees in the open air I feel I feel great so yes I'm decompressing definitely thank you nice we, we won't ask where you go running unless Neil Jarrett might come and try and propose <laughs> to you again <laughs> but um John thank you so much again for coming on I know you've stayed a lot longer than we originally planned for so thank you so much for giving up your time to to come on speak with us please go and run as much as you can over the summer and rest you deserve all the rest you can um but yeah generally thank you again now thank you and thank you for all you do because we really appreciate it too Way! there's the cup there's the pictures you'll see on tomorrow's back pages the coppers are going through into division one bring them on because we deserve it Podcast Network.